Dear Heavenly Father, um, I just plead for your Holy Spirit right now, Heavenly Father, to speak through me. I, I just ask that you will be glorified, that you will be exalted, um, that it will be your words and your message. And Father, that the things that Jim and I share this morning will make a real and lasting impact on the lives of those here, that these things they can take home and, and see you work in their own devo- devotional experience in a greater way. So, Father, we just pray that you're glorified. Thank you, Father, for your strength. Thank you for your words and your wisdom right now. In your precious name, amen. Okay, growing above and beyond devotional life. Let's see, what do we start with? Okay, let me just ask you this morning. How hungry are you for a deeper experience with God? Like, do you really want a deeper experience with God? Do you really want to experience a deeper personal revival in your life? Let me just share a story. There was one young man that was talking with his pastor, and he told him, he says, I, I want to experience revival. I've prayed and prayed, and I'm not receiving it. How do I experience revival in my life? So he's talking to the pastor, and the pastor says, I'll show you. Come with me to the baptistry. The baptistry happened to have water in it that day. And he says, we're going to, to baptize you. <laughs> the man says, I've, I've already been baptized. I don't need to be baptized. And the pastor said, you wanted to know how do I experience revival in my life? How do I experience a deeper walk with God? I'm going to show you. This is going to be an illustration and you're going to get wet. Are you okay with that? And the man's kind of like, oh, Okay. <laughs> So he takes him to the baptistry, and he puts him into the water. Well, he doesn't bring him up out of the water, and the man begins to worry. (laughs) What is he doing with me here? And he begins to, and then a few more seconds go by, and the pastor's still not bringing him out of the water. Now he's really getting worried. Is the pastor trying to, what is he doing? And he begins to thrash around, and And then, about that point, the pastor brings him up. And he actually wasn't under the water that long, but when you're not being brought up and you expect to be brought up, you, what is going on, right? So he's thinking he's about to be drowned. And so he's sputtering and coughing, and he's like, what were you trying to do? I thought you were just going to put me under the water and bring me back up. The pastor says, you asked, how do I experience personal revival, a deeper walk with God in my life? When you desire that as much as you desire that next breath of air, you will experience revival. In other words, how much are we really hungry and seeking and longing for that deeper experience with God? And both Jim and I can testify from our own different experiences. It is that brokenness and desperate longing. I was so broken in the testimony I shared earlier, I actually... Um, suffered severe depression for several years, severe depression, so much so that I did not even want to live. I didn't mention that in the, in the earlier testimony, but I was in that experience, and so coming out of that experience, as I'm recognizing, I need more, and I don't want to go back to mediocre Christianity like I had before. I want something more. Lord, you said in your word this. I want to see that come true in my life. I want to see that you're real, you're real and you're living 
in my life today, not just that you're the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and I'm in the modern Testament times, and I need to see you living and alive today. And so I just started pleading with desperation. As I said, I'd be reading my Bible in the morning, just tears pouring down my face, and just like, Lord, you said such and such. This is what I long to see. And that's when I began to see God work. And the scriptures began to come to life to me in a whole new way. And he began to show himself real. And so as we're talking about growing our walk with God, I have to say, how, how much are you really seeking him? Because <laughs> if you're seeking him with a half a heart, don't be surprised if you're not really finding much. He says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Search for him as for hid treasure, all your heart. Uh, so today we're going to start, um, we have this last session this morning, and then we're going to finish uh, tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to do this in a two-part series, 10 Keys to Daily Revival in a Vibrant Devotional Life. Today we're going to try to cover the first seven <laughs> keys, and tomorrow we're going to finish the last three because we're going to spend a lot more time on some ways to bring your Bible study to life. So I'm going to spend uh, more time on that tomorrow. So we're not going to cover all, kin t all 10 keys um, today, but if you take any screenshots, by the way, I don't mind if you do that. I can also share PDFs, and you can go back and have the entire PDF presentation. I'm happy to share that. And, um, but at the end, I'll have a summary that has all the keys all lined up in a row, so you can see those as well. So 10 keys. So we're just going to go through these, and I'll share some thoughts, and Jim's, Jim will jump in here and there and share some thoughts, and we'll just go forward. So key number one, it's all about our priorities. You know, you say, I don't have time to have my devotions. I don't have time to pray. But you know what? We all make time for what's important to us. We make time for what is important. And so that's why we have to plead, Lord, change my heart. You know I want a relationship with you, but to be honest... I have other priorities. You have to give me your priorities. You have to help me see that this is life and death. And you've probably all seen the illustration, you know, you, you put all the mundane um, sand in the jar and then you try to put the big rocks in and they don't fit. There's no room. The big rocks are the big priorities of your life, right? And so you have to take those big priorities in your life, your time with God, you know, your time with your family, your time to take care of your health and different things like that. You put those in the jar first, and then all the mundane things, the sand fills up, and you can fit it all in the jar. Um, so, you know, we, we, love, we love to eat every day. We love our food, and I have to admit that I, I like my food too. And if I, you know, miss a meal or two, um, unless I'm specifically fasting, it's hard. We want that daily food. And think about the fact, if you were to, to go out and fight a physical battle or something like that, would you want to go out doing that after you had been fasting for a little while or you've been dieting? No, you wouldn't have strength. You wouldn't have the strength to fight, right? But how often do we go out and fight spiritual battles every day with the enemy of our souls and we're dieting spiritually? We're not eating spiritually. We're not eating, um, spending time in God's word. We're not praying as we should. So the first key is really about priorities. And if your priorities are not, just ask, Lord, please change my priorities, change my heart. I love the story of Daniel. 
You know, Daniel was willing to go to the lion's den, not to miss his time with God. You know that? He was not going to miss that morning, noon, and night, prayer, whatever. And it didn't matter if they were watching or they weren't watching. He was willing to die for that. And I think, Lord, help us. And we're not willing sometimes to let go of a few minutes extra of sleep so that we can have that time with God. So we need to pray that God will change that. Key number two, and I like to put this at the top of, uh, top of the list because this really is what everything else falls under. Lingering in his love. What is it about a love relationship that is so intriguing? You know, if you've ever been in love, you know you want to be around the other person and you're not like looking at your clock. How much more time do we have to stay together? How much more time, you know? No, you want to be with them as much as you can because you love them and you love being in their presence. Um, this is some of my friends that got married uh, a year ago and I remember being with them and how, 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 it, how fun it is to watch those that are new in love, you know, he walks into the room and she lights up or he calls and she's so excited and, you know, fighting for the phone. No, I got to get that phone call. And, and it's just, you know, it's the fresh love. But this is, this is also an illustration of really what it should be in our, in our life with God. How excited are we to get the text messages that God gives us? Maybe they're not on a, a smartphone, but they're in God's Word, right? The Bible. And he sends us text messages every day, but the problem is, is we're not reading them because we have these other distractions in our life. So we need to pray that God will give us a heart for him, that he will change our hearts so that we want to linger, we want to be in his presence. And I'm going to be talking about some specific things this morning. Uh, Justin mentioned some of them from the stage earlier in his message, and I was kind of laughing because I'm like, I'm going to talk about those things. But I want us to know that first, it starts out of a love relationship with Christ. It's not about a do's and don'ts, it's about a relationship. Because if you love someone, you want to do what makes them happy. Okay? So we're talking about growing a vibrant devotional life um, with God. The first key was getting our priorities straight um, so that we recognize we have to have that time with God and we are not going to go without it. Now I'm kind of rushing ahead. Did you have something to share here? Okay. You know, sometimes we struggle getting up in the morning. I just want to challenge you if you struggle getting up in the morning, just ask God to be your alarm clock. You know, say, I'm not a morning person. That's okay. God can work with people that aren't morning people. I have many people that I know who, who have told me, I'm not a morning person. But then they, I just challenged them. I said, just put God to the test. When you go to sleep, when you go to sleep, say, God, you know I don't generally get up before such and such. But if you want me to take some extra time with you tomorrow, would you wake me up? And you know what? God will do it. If you put him to the test, he'll wake you up. And you will be fresher than you would have trying in your own strength. I have found whenever I give God permission to wake me up, he always wakes me up. In fact, he usually wakes me up a few minutes earlier than I gave him permission. I say, okay, Lord, you can wake me up, you know, at 5 o'clock in the morning or whatever. And he'll wake me up at 4.55. And I'm, I just lay there and I'm like, you're really eager, aren't you, to meet with me? 
Isn't that exciting? Amen. God, the king of the universe, the one that stretched out the heavens, he's excited to meet with you in the morning. Amen. And he's just like, Melody, when are you going to wake up so we can talk? I want to hear what's on your heart. And, you know, we're often crying to ourselves. I just wish somebody would understand. I just wish somebody knew what was on my heart. I'm struggling in life alone and this and that. And he says, I'm here. I want to hear what's on your heart. We can have an intimate conversation. And I just don't want, I don't want to just hear what's on your heart, but I have a message for you. I have courage. I have comfort for you. God is the best alarm clock. But you know what? When we get up, we often get distracted. And you know what I think one of the biggest things? How many of you struggle with this thing? This is a distraction. And it's a struggle for me. Sometimes I do better uh, than others. When it's surrendered, I'm, I'm doing better than other times. But it's all these notifications. And it's a problem, you know, waking up in the morning. Um, because you want to see who text messaged you or who Facebook or Instagram or whatever. I'm not so much into um, Facebook as I used to be. But I'm big into Instagram. <laughs> I love um, Instagram. Anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> And so it's a struggle because I want to see what's going on. And so God has been really um, working with me with this. And that is turn the distractions off. In fact, turn, turn, your, turn your phone, if you can do this, turn your, um, what am I trying to say? Turn your phone on airplane mode. So that when you get up in the morning, like when I go to sleep, I'll turn it on airplane mode. Now, if I'm in a situation where I think my family might emergency need to get me or something like that, you know, you need to be available. But, you know, most of the time I can safely turn my phone on airplane mode and, and the world's not going to fall apart. It'll still be there the next morning. My family will still be there. And, and I won't even turn it off airplane mode until I finish my devotions. And then I'm not even tempted. Because those things are really hard to resist. And I'm not saying it's the biggest sin in the world if you look at such and such. But the problem is, is you look at one, then you look at the other. And then before you know it, you've, you've spent 10 minutes of your devotional time already. And, and you only had 20 or 30 to start with. And, you're, and so the, you, you see my point, right? So when we get up in the morning, we have to intentionally guard our time with God. Turn off the distractions. Look at There are so many things that are constantly coming between us and Jesus. And it's not just these things. I mean, there's spiritual breaches. There's business. There's even ministry. Even ministry can come between us and Jesus. Um, another aspect that I want to emphasize here is take your time. Okay, this is all um, in, this, in, the, um, in the section, ling no lingering, I move to the next section, right? Um, putting away distractions. Take your time. It's easy to rush, but you're not going to have quality time with God. Think of if you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you're like, okay, quick, tell me, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, okay, okay, two minutes more, da-da-da-da. I mean, how much are you really growing close to that person when you're putting them under that pressure? We only have whatever. I mean, obviously, there's times where you have those quick interactions, but we need time. 
to sit with God, time to soak up what he has for us. An intensity such as never before is seen taking possession of the world in amusement and money-making in the contest for power and the very struggle for existence. There is a terrible force that engrosses body, mind, and soul. In the midst of this maddening rush, God is speaking. He bids us come apart and commune with him. Be still and know that I am God. Many, even in their seasons of devotion, fail of receiving the blessing of real communion with God. They are in too great haste. With hurried steps, they press through the circle of Christ's loving presence, pausing perhaps a moment within the sacred precincts, but not waiting for counsel. They have no time to remain with the divine teacher. With the burdens, they return to their work. These workers can never attain the highest success until they learn the secret of strength. They must give themselves time to think, to pray, to wait upon God for a renewal of physical, mental, and spiritual power. They need the uplifting influence of the Spirit. Receiving this, they will be quickened by fresh life. The wearied frame and tired brain will be refreshed. The burdened heart will be lightened. Not a pause for a moment in his presence, but personal contact with Christ to sit down in companionship with him. This is our great need. So I want to encourage you, give God time and give him more time than what you have um, been giving him and, and see what he will do. Key number three, stay humble. In other words, stay needy. In the past, I have to admit, there'd be times I would go through, you know, where I'm, I'm needy and I'm like, Lord, I failed you. I'm so sorry. I'm coming again. You know, Lord, please forgive me and let's start afresh. And I would feel his warm arms and, and fresh spirit there and it would just be beautiful. But then you get strong again, and, and things are going on, and, and you still keep coming, but you're not coming with the same need, because you actually think that you're doing pretty good, and you've got things under control. And this is something that God's been showing me even more the last few years. Stay hungry, stay needy. Every day I go to him. And, and you don't have to apologize. You know, sometimes I find myself apologizing. Lord, I'm sorry. Here I am again, and I'm struggling. I'm sorry to be bringing... You don't have to apologize for that. God's saying, come. He comes to save, not, um, call not the righteous, to, but the sinners to repentance. If you're a sinner, if you're struggling, if you are in need, if you are hungry, he's coming for you. So every day we come. And this is not a put-on show. Are you genuinely, do you genuinely recognize that apart from Christ you can do nothing? Do you genuinely recognize your desperate need? I talked about pride in the first message this morning. You know, pride is so dangerous because pride does not acknowledge its need. Pride does not listen. I don't know if you, anybody, if you know anybody that fits this category, but you know you try to tell them stuff and they just, oh, I already know, I already know. That's the way pride is, and that's why pride is so detrimental in our spiritual walk with God, because pride is not a spirit that we can grow in, because we already think we know what we need. And so we have to humbly, um, continually humble ourselves at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, forgive me. I don't have what I need. I don't know what I know. Show me afresh today. And you know, he keeps giving us fresh. He keeps filling us. He keeps pouring the Holy Spirit upon us. But we are leaky vessels. We keep losing, and so we have to continually ask for that filling. Let the proud spirit bow in humiliation. Let the hard heart be broken. No longer pet and pity and exalt self. Look upon him who our sins have pierced. See him descending step by step the path of humiliation to lift us up, abasing himself till he could go no lower. 
Why will we be so indifferent, so cold, so formal, so proud, so self-sufficient? Who of us is faithfully following the pattern? Who of us has instituted and continued the warfare against pride of heart? Lord, take us deeper. I'm going there's some really interesting testimonies I don't know that I have time to share now because I want to get into some other aspects. But God has really had to do a serious humbling, and he's still doing it in my life. Um, and it is at those points when he's broken me and when I've just decided I don't care, you know, necessarily about what, what people think or, or see, I need a Savior. Do you need a Savior? Okay, if you need a Savior too, then let's get together and let's pray because we're all in desperate need. Because I used to think, especially when I started ministry, and I've been doing uh, some form of ministry for the last 20, 25 years, uh, even when I was working as a nurse, I was doing ministry of some sort. Um, as, I, as I'm doing now, um, it, was, it was different. But I remember in earlier parts of my years thinking, I'm the spiritual leader, so I have to be you know, the strong, everything's good, everything's, you know, and so I would never admit to others struggles or needs. And I'm saying it's good, not that you need to, to, to throw out everything that you're struggling with, that's not the point at all, but we need to be real with each other, we need to be vulnerable with each other, and just say, hey, we are in this together, we're all struggling, we all have our, our issues, come together, let's go together to the foot of the cross, so that's the point. Oh, this is powerful. Do you want to say anything on this? Okay, you jump in and you, you share this one. We start at 6. And the message came... Uh, I opened the message around 3 in the morning when I woke up. And the message was, Jen, there's just something that I've noticed. It's, it's not the usual uh, Holy Spirit punch that, uh, that you bring about. Something is bothering you. And we could not somehow ruin this for... For GYC, this might be the only chance that we will bring this, uh, this congregation to its knees. So whatever is bothering you, I hope that you'll deal with it before going into the prayer room. And friends, pride takes so many forms. And sometimes pride even comes in the form of you think when you're already humble, <laughs> that you lose it. And during that time, I, I, I sought God, Lord, what is it in my heart? Please reveal it to me. And I was crying in the bathroom when I, when I saw that, that message. And I said, Lord, I will not stop praying until you reveal it to me. I don't, want it, I don't want to ruin this for your people who are seeking after you. And friends, after that, the blessing was poured out. And I tell you, every year right now that I, that I lead out, the Lord wakes me up. I, I switch my alarm at 3 a.m. As Melody says, the Lord will wake you up when He is the alarm. You know what time the Lord wakes me up? At 3 a.m. Set, I set the alarm. The Lord wakes me up at 1.30 in the morning. And then the next day, the Lord woke me up at 12.56. And then the next day, the Lord woke me up at 11.44. How long did you sleep? <laughs> My sleep was so low. And, and friends, all the while I thought, Mel, that... that, that that I really need this, this time with the Lord. And yes, I need that. But then the Lord revealed to me, there's a lot of self that needs to be taken away. That's why it takes that long. Friends, we're not even aware. And this is one powerful thing that when that self is taken out, then his blessings could be poured out. And I love this, this quote before. 
before I share that quote, there is this, this beautiful quote about, about humility that, that really speaks to my heart about what God can do. Listen, there is no limit to the blessing that we may receive in answer to sincere, fervent prayer. The love of God to fallen men is measureless. And if our Father sees that we will not lift up, we will not be lifted up with the blessings He has power to bestow upon us, but will receive them with humble and grateful hearts, He will abundantly grant unto us our request. Friends, for the sake of the blessing that God is about to pour out, we have to remember, look at that, the part man is required to sustain is immeasurably small. Yet, in the plan of God, it is just that part that is, ready to, that is needed to make the work a success. The only part is to come to the Lord and let Him know that we do not, we do not have anything on our own. We do, not, we do not have to explain it to God. God knows it. We just have to admit it. Key number four. We're going to take a little time on this one. I'm talking about keys to building a vibrant devotional life, okay? Tomorrow we're going to talk more specifically about Bible study itself. But I'm talking about things today that have to do with the heart. With our heart approach to God. Because these things make a difference in your devotional life, and they make a difference in your daily walk with God. So we're going to talk about spiritual breaches. Removing spiritual breaches between God and between others. You know, there's nothing that Satan fears so much as that we will remove those hindrances. There's nothing that he fears so much. We will remove those things. Because when those things are removed, the Holy Spirit can be poured out upon us. Now, if you look at what's happening around our world, we see that we're living in a world of spiritual devastation, right? We have broken homes, broken hearts, broken marriages, broken health, all these things that are breaking all around us. And we're actually told that there's a solution in Scripture for us. We're told in Isaiah 58 that we are to be the repair for the breach, for the broken world around us. So God is calling us as his people to be a repairer, to stand in the gap. But the problem is we cannot stand in the gap on behalf of the world around us. Why? Because we are broken. We have so many spiritual breaches in our own lives that we cannot stand. And so I'm going to talk uh, specifically about a few of those things that hold back God's blessing. Um, I talk about this in great detail in the book that you just received. And if you came in uh, late to the second seminar um, this morning, at the end we'll give you one of my uh, books, Daring to Ask for More. But I talk about this in great detail in the book. So all of this is there. But these are different things that hold back God's blessing. And if you're struggling with some of these things, you're going to be struggling um, also in your personal daily devotions. Unconfessed sin, something between you and God, some type of idol or addiction. You know, Jim shared this morning how he had over a, a thousand or a thousand five hundred DVDs and movies that he, you know, was into. I mean, those type of things, we wonder why we can't enjoy the Bible, you know, when we're feeding on these things. Um, oops, up oh, just. Just, yeah, stop. Sorry. Had another alarm going on there. 
ungodly mindsets, conversations, ungodly behaviors, um, all these different types of things get in the way, and I'm going to talk about ungodly mindsets. I read a while back a book um, called Respectable Sins, Confronting the Sins That We Tolerate, and this book was a huge eye-opener to me. Let's look at some of the respectable sins. Now, why are they considered respectable? They're considered respectable because we're all guilty of them, right? And so we're all guilty, so how can you preach against these? Because you struggle with them, and I struggle with them, and these are just, these are respectable sins in the church. We're all guilty. But in God's eyes, these are not acceptable. And here's some of the respectable sins. I won't ask you to raise your hand if any of you have struggled this week (laughs) with anxiety or discontentment or unthankfulness or a judgmental spirit or... You know, these different things, selfishness, lack of self-control, impatience, anger, resentment, envy, jealousy, the list goes on and on. These are things that we often deal with. But you know, when we look at scripture, these are actually breaches that come between us and God. God's word speaks against each one of these things. And when we're struggling in these areas, we need to give these to God and say, Lord, I don't have the right attitude right now. I don't have the right mindset. I don't. You need to help me. You need to change me. You need to, we need a new heart. That's why we're told in Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. That's why we need God to change our hearts because we cannot of ourselves. Now, sins of the tongue is a huge thing. I'm not going to go into great detail here, but just think about the way that we talk. Think about the way that we talk to our family, about the way that we talk to one another, about the way we talk behind each other's back, about the way we talk about the church. These are not, these are not um, the ways that we should be acting um, as a Christian. We need to pray, Lord, change me, speak through me, use me. And you know, when he changes our heart, think about the fact, if you have a judgmental spirit, you're going to have judgmental words that are going to come out of your mouth. If you have a bitter spirit, Bitterness is going to come out of your mouth. And so what's in the heart? We're told out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's why we need to pray that God will change our heart. Now, I'm not talking about grit and willpower here. This is not about like, okay, you know, I always get frustrated with my brother, but I'm not going to get frustrated with him today. I'm going to smile and and I'm going to control myself. Yeah, you can, you can look great on the outside. You can, to a certain extent, maintain control. But if you're still fuming inside, what does God see? He says, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Friends, we need heart conversion. We need new hearts. And that's why I often sing the song when I'm having my morning devotions. Lord, change my heart. Give me a new heart. My heart is hard. My heart is cold. My heart is judgmental. I know I'm not supposed to think this way, but I'm just naturally. You know, we just have to plead. There's a quote, Ellen White, and I don't have it here listed on the screen, but Lord, take my heart, my weak, unchristlike heart. Mold it, make it, fashion it. You know, that's why we have to continually pray that prayer. Why am I mentioning some of these little things? The rolling of the eyes, the slipping of the tongue, the the inner struggles that you're facing. In education, the book Education, we're told, man who would shrink with horror from some great transgression are led to look upon sin in little matters as of trifling consequence. But these little respectable sins 
eat out the life and the godliness of the soul. So these little things, as they build up, gradually eat away um, from our, our spiritual life. And you wonder why you feel like you're struggling and you're drowning and you're um, not getting what you need spiritually. Now, just in case you saw that list of respectable sins that I just shared and you got a little discouraged and you said, well, I don't even know what to do because I struggle with all of them. <laughs> I just want to encourage you again that Jesus said he came to save sinners of whom I am chief. And if you're a sinner, then he came to save you. And this is another encouraging quote from Christ Object Lessons. In the whole satanic force, there is not power to overcome one soul who in simple trust cast himself on Christ. But we must have a knowledge of ourselves, a knowledge that will result in contrition before we can find pardon and peace. It is only he who knows himself to be a sinner that Christ can save. So, you know, we as Christians, like I say, I was talking about the respectable sins, we tend to kind of get used to things and comfortable with things. And if you're around certain attitudes or mindsets, it's kind of like garbage that builds up in your house. And you really don't smell it because you're used to it. But somebody comes to visit and they smell it. <laughs> and they're like, there's something stinky going on here. But you're just, you're used to it. And so what I'm trying to do today is stir it up a little bit and help you see this is not acceptable in the sight of God. We have to plead that he will do a deeper work. I should have put the quote up here um, from Desire of Ages. Ellen White says that our chief work is not, um, is not to labor to bear fruit. That's what she says. Our work is to abide. Our chief work is to abide. When we abide in him and he abides in us, he will do in and through us what we can never do in ourselves. I can muster up the willpower to be nice for a little while, to be patient for a little while, but I need him to change me from the inside out. And so as he abides in me, then he can work in and through me. So our greatest work is to abide. And as we abide in that relationship with him, he will give us the strength and the victory in these situations. I want to share one more spiritual breach, satanic strongholds. And you might think, well, I'm a Christian, I'm in the church, I'm not struggling with satanic strongholds. So I want to share a story. Happened to a friend of mine a number of years ago in the mission field. He was um, working down in South America and traveling along through the jungle on this bus over the windy roads and started talking to the person sitting next to him and he discovered he was sitting next to a witch, witch doctor um, type of person. And the witch doctor started boasting to him about his spiritual powers. And he said, you know, uh, my friend was asking, what do you do? And he says, well, I cast spells on people and I bring people, you know, good luck and this and that. And, and you know, if you wanted, I could cast a spell over your family and I could cause your wife to leave you and I could bring you the woman of your dreams. And my friend is like, no. First off, I don't want my, life, my wife to, to leave me because I'm already married to the woman of my dreams. But second off, you couldn't touch my family. And this, this witch doctor says, oh no, I could. I have power. I can touch anybody, you know. And my friend's like, nope, you couldn't touch my family. And the witch doctor says, let me ask you some questions. Sure, go ahead. So he starts asking questions. Questions like, um, do you listen to such and such? And he listed some of the um, generic pop, secular music of the region, uh, of the world where they're living. Some of the just regular uh, worldly music there. And the man 
And my friend says, no, I don't listen to that kind of music. And so he's, he's asking him, do you read such and such? And he listed some of the worldly magazines and, and things of that region. My friend says, no, I don't read those magazines. Do you do such and such, you know, um, different occultic or astrology type things? No, I don't ever touch those things. Um, oh, I'm sure I got you on this one because all guys struggle with this. <laughs> do you look at pornography? All men do. And my friend says, no, I don't. And the witch doctor is kind of a little startled. So he asks some more questions. Do you watch this? Do you do this? He's asking his questions, and he finally he said, you're right. I can't touch you. But the moment that you partake in any of those activities, I can exercise all the power in the world over you and your family because you've given me a foothold into your life. Do we recognize as Christians how we give the enemy a foothold into our life by the little worldly things that we partake of? Whether it's the movies, the innocent movies, the music, well, you know, it's got good lyrics, so it's okay. Or this or that, you know. These little things become inroads that lead us down a road and provide inroads for the enemy. And they actually um, create breaches in our life. Spiritual breaches are toxic to our walk with God. Can you remind me what time it is? Um, I told you, and and turn my clock back on. Um, My mom is struggling with lung cancer. She was diagnosed a couple years ago uh, with with lung cancer. And um, something we noticed, we weren't really paying attention, kind of like the garbage in your home. We had all these toxic um, chemicals and cleaners in our hallway um, and around the laundry room that were not really being used, but basically they've been there my entire life. My parents have lived in the house for years and years and years, and it always bothers me when I go home. I, I kind of smell the chemicals and kind of like, you guys need to clean this out. Well, then my mom comes down with lung cancer and she's having breathing issues, and I'm like, okay, we are cleaning these things out. Of course, there were other issues that caused her lung cancer. But I went through my parents' cupboard, and this is only a little picture of all the stuff that I pulled out of their house. Can you see how often this stuff is being used? I mean, you can see the dirt, and I mean, it's just been in the cupboards for years, these toxic chemicals. But these things actually inhibit our breathing. And that's the same in our walk with God. We have these different things that build up in our lives, their habits, their attitudes, their lifestyles, their different things that we just, well, this is kind of, I mean, this is the way my family always did it. I mean, this is the culture that I'm from, so this is how we do it. You know what? God's word trumps culture. God's word trumps everything. We need to continually be going back to God's word instead of using excuses for our compromise or excuses for our sinful sinful behavior, saying, Lord, what does your word say? How should I be living my life? And well, we may not see every detail spelled out. There are principles in scripture that guide us in how we should live. We need to remove those toxicities. One more thing I'm going to share. Justin talked about this this morning. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny, and I'm like, well, I'm going to mention it. And that is, What about what we put in our body, and how do we take care of our body? How does this affect our walk with God? Now, I'm talking this morning, we're talking this morning about growing a vibrant devotional life. And you mean you're going to talk about your diet? Why are you going to talk about that? 
Do you know what we put in our body affects our mind? It affects our ability to hear the Holy Spirit. And I've recognized in my own life when I've made certain choices, my ability to stand strong is actually compromised. It's like when I do such and such, I can pretty much expect the fact that I'm going to fall, I'm going to lose my impatience, I'm going to, because my mind is compromised. And so these things affect our mind. I have to tell you a funny story that happened a few years ago. I was doing an evangelistic series in Romania um, with a number of friends from the General Conference. Um, I, I work with the General Conference Prayer Ministries now in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is kind of funny because I would have never in a million years thought I would be working there. Like I said, I was, I was a nurse doing medical things. And when I did decide I wanted to be a missionary, I was thinking I'd be a medical missionary in South America or, or somewhere, you know, in a jungle somewhere. And God calls me to be a missionary at the World Headquarters Church with all these leaders. And I'm like, what is a country bumpkin from Arkansas doing at the General Conference Headquarters? I don't know. That's a whole other story. But anyway, God has a sense of humor. Um, so I'm working with the General Conference leaders, and God is blessing. I'm doing an evangelistic series in Romania. God bless. That's a whole other story. Um, but while I was there, someone had shared uh, one of these treats with us, which are really good. And, um, and I'm not saying it's a sin if you eat them, but I'm just sharing a personal struggle that I was having because I was praying. I'm, you know, I have a, a little bit of a sweet tooth. And I was praying, Lord, can you give me victory in the area of my sweet tooth? Because I'm struggling with this. I was just eating too much sugar. And so when you pray that prayer, he starts convicting you on different things. Anyway, so I, um, as I was preparing to go home from Romania, I was in the store and I saw these chocolate, whatever, creamy croissants, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to take some home with me, because I, you know, I haven't seen such and such in the States, and I want to uh, have some home. So I took five of them home with me. That's a big deal. It's only five of them, right? But the Holy Spirit started convicting me. What did you get those for? You don't need those. Haven't you been praying that I would give you victory in this area? What and so here I start having this mental battle in my mind. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I gave away four of them. I gave away four of them, and I kept one for myself. But I wasn't eating it because I was convicted in my mind I shouldn't be eating this. And, and I'm just like, ah. Oh. Well, the problem is, is I wasn't really fighting in God's strength. I was just fighting in my own strength. So the whole time I'm arguing in my, you know, like, ah. Oh. It's just one chocolate croissant. I mean, this is not a salvational issue, okay? This is not. Just in case you wondered, this is not a salvational issue. I'm just sharing about the commonality of the struggles that we have. So a whole week goes by. This one chocolate creamy croissant is in my cupboard, and it's calling out, Melody, eat me. Melody, when are you going to eat me? I'm here. You know, you brought me all the way from Romania. Aren't you going to enjoy me? You know, you know what I finally decided? If I just eat it, I won't be tempted anymore. <laughs> I know that's bad reasoning, but that's what I thought. And so I thought, I'm just going to eat it, enjoy it, and then I'll be done with this crazy struggle. And so I did. But you know what? It wasn't near as good as I thought it was the first time. And it's kind of like that sweetness in your mouth and then the bitterness in your belly. <laughs> And you're like, why did I just eat this? And the, the ironic thing was, this whole time, I'm actually doing some study on the topic of surrender. How can we go deeper in surrender? And so I eat this, I put the wrapper down on the ground, and where does it land 
but on all these quotes that I've been researching for surrender. You see that? That's exactly where the wrapper landed next to my chair. And I took a picture of it and I was like, well, this is going to be a sermon illustration now. <laughs> you know, God's convicted me something afresh here. How we struggle, and we struggle, and you know, it might not be this for you, it might be that or whatever, but it's a daily battle that we all struggle with, and we can't struggle in our own strength, and I don't want you to think it's all about, you know, whether you're eating chocolate croissants, or you're dressing this way, or you're doing that, or whatever. It's, it's not. You know what? We need new hearts. We need new minds. We need new spirits. If we give God our heart, he'll take care of the other things in your life. I'm not really about preaching these different reforms because I think that the, the reform we need is a heart reform. And when we have a heart reform, God's going to do the other reforms in our life. But as he has your heart, he's going to do a deeper thing. And he's going to be convicting you about different things that have a hold on you. They have an unhealthy hold and they are coming between you and him. You know, you should be focusing, but you have so much caffeine in your system or sugar in your system, or you're thinking about the movies you've been watching, or you're thinking about what's happening on social media. These things may not in, in and of themselves all be bad, although some of them are bad, and we're told that very clearly. But these things are actually cutting off the ability to God, for God to do a deeper work in your heart. So that's why we're sharing them. But here's one powerful quote I'm going to share on the topic of diet, and then I'll move on. I think. Maybe I have two quotes here. Okay, the controlling power of the appetite will prove the ruin of thousands when, if they had conquered on this point, they would have had the moral power to gain the victory over every other temptation of Satan. This is powerful. Do we realize how serious the battle is? Now, Satan has a thousand temptations. He's ready. He knows our weakness, and he fashions each temptation for your specific weakness. Choose your obsession. Choose your idol. Whatever. I think this is hilarious. Um, <laughs> I was asking Jim, I was like, should I share this or not? <laughs> but the point is, this, you know, we can't battle in our own strength, okay? We have to have his strength. But I, I praise the Lord that he promises to give us what we need. Jesus sympathizes with the weakness of men. He came to earth and he might bring to us moral power. However strong the passion or appetite, we can gain the victory because we may have divine strength to unite with feeble efforts. Those who flee to Christ will have a stronghold in the day of temptation. And so praise the Lord for... It doesn't look, it doesn't like my, my thumbprint anymore. It keeps turning off. Okay, key number five. Make gratitude your attitude. Each one of these points that I'm sharing, just a little snippet of, we could actually do a whole session on. So it's very hard this morning. We're cramming a lot of stuff in here. The power of praise and worship. This is one of the things that has transformed my devotional life. And that is learning to praise God. You know, when you're struggling, you're complaining, you're feeling upset about what God's doing or upset at what other people are doing, you can't worship God when you have that spirit. And that's why we need to pray that he'll give us a spirit of gratitude. And I want to challenge you, if you're in the habit of talking critically, talking negatively, if you're in the habit of murmuring and complaining, you know that the children of Israel actually were held back from the promised land because of their murmuring and complaining. I think that we're being held back from the promised land because we are murmuring and complaining. But if you will challenge yourself just try this for a week, two weeks. 
not to speak anything critical or when you're tempted to speak something critical, instead speak something of praise to God, your brain will actually rewire and you will develop habits of praise and spirit of criticism. Gratitude, your attitude. You know, think about the wise men. Um, when Jesus was born, how many miles they traveled, I don't know. The wise men from the east, they came to Christ. They came with their gifts. And what did they come to do? They came to worship him. They came all that distance to worship a baby king. And yet we struggle just getting out of our bed in the mornings to worship him. And if we do get out of our beds, often we're complaining. You know, Lord, such and such is going on in my life. Lord, can you, you know, da-da-da-da. And he wants us to share the burdens of our heart. That's not the point. But what about praise? What about worship? You know, think, thank you, Jim, for the money that you give me. Thank you for, he's like, what money? I don't have any money. (laughs) Which is really the reality, because he lives by faith. It's amazing testimony. But when we're just constantly thanking for what he gives, but not for who he is, God's like, you know, thank him for what he does for you, but who is he to you? What does it mean to worship? Why do you love me? But without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Believe that he is. Who is Jesus to you? And take time in the morning, and I challenge you in your morning devotions, take a notebook, a journal, and just write out by hand, you know, tomorrow morning or or whenever you go home, write out by hand, Lord, today I praise you because you are, and then fill in the blanks, what God is to you. And I challenge you, find, you know, maybe three to five new things every day that you don't normally praise God for and just keep adding to the list and see how long of a list that you can develop of praises to God for who he is to you. And you know, when I started doing this, I started opening uh, the, the scriptures and the Psalms. Psalms are a beautiful place. And I just began reading the Psalms and then I would pray the Psalms back to God. Lord, I praise you because you are, and I would put it in my own words, and I'd read in the Psalms, and then I praise you because you are. This morning, I was doing that as well, and I was reading Psalms 147, and that was just beautiful to me. It was talking about his, um, his infinite wisdom and, and mercy, and it was just beautiful. I praise you because of who you are, and this will really transform your prayer life. In fact, I got to the point where I actually had a hard time getting to my regular prayer requests because I was having so much fun just worshiping God, praising him for who he was. And I'd, I'd be singing songs of praise. Songs and singing is a big part of this. You may not be a singer. You may not be somebody that you want to have a microphone and sing. That's okay. But you can sing to God in your own private prayer closet. You can worship God. And I think it delights God when we do that. I often in my morning prayer times um, will actually sing to God, and it's beautiful. Yeah, and this, this advice is really very, very helpful. And when people ask me sometimes, Jen, how, did, how are you able to survive uh, jet lag? How do you manage jet lag? I tell them, no, jet lag manages me. <laughs> For those of you who do not know, I, my flight every year, I, one time I counted, it has a total of 69 airplane rides in a year. So just, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> and, and especially this past few weeks, this past few weeks alone, from, from British Columbia, Canada, I went uh, from, from Michigan, I went to British Columbia. From British Columbia, I went to Kentucky, Kentucky. I went to 
to Iceland and Iceland here. All of those things happen in, in the matter of, of like less than three weeks. And, and all those travels, it should cause me to like, like what is happening? And <laughs> one activity after another, and one trip was to Iceland. 41 hours, by the way, total. I have a total of 28 layovers. Hmm. And I'm thinking, how am I going to survive this? And I was just thinking about all those negative things. But then I begin to realize, God is the one who arranged me to go to Iceland, and He will be able to, to do it. And I begin thinking, what are the things I'll be thankful for? I praise and praise God for, and I look back on what He has done to me in the past. God is faithful, and God, He will, he will do this to me. And every time people tell me, oh, Jen, it is such an amazing thing that you're able to survive. And then I see that as an opportunity to brag about God. And tell me, you know by the grace of God. Amen. So I said, so every time they tell me something, I always tell them, by the grace of God, mm. by the grace of God. And then they'll tell me, their next, your next answer is by the grace of God. <laughs> I said, of course, because I'm only alive because of the grace of God. And the more you recognize God, the more you give back the acknowledgement that He deserves, everything changes. Amen. Your worship changes and you begin not to brag about yourself about your accomplishment, you begin to realize yourself that you could not have done it without Him. Amen. And it's so awesome to brag about God Amen. rather than to brag about yourself. Amen. And friends, you know what? When you begin to brag about Him, He'll give you more reasons to brag. Amen. Amen. So true. This is a book I'm just in the process of reading right now. I just thought I'd throw it up on the screen. The Effects of Praise, just beautiful. Pray the promises. Um, we'll probably stop with this section. Um, key number six, pray the promises. Learn what it means to agonize. You know, I think we are great in general at organization, but we have forgotten how to agonize, how to agonize with God in prayer. We must look to Christ. We must resist as he resisted. We must pray as he prayed. We must organize as he... Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I even read it wrong, didn't I? <laughs> We must agonize as he agonized. If we would conquer as he conquered. What does it mean to agonize? I have some quotes actually about what it means to agonize in prayer. Some different things I've copied. And if I can, I'll try to print up um, to have for you guys tomorrow before our last session. But, but agonizing and really saying, in other words, Lord, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Just like we see Jacob wrestling. I'm not going to let go until the breaking of the day. I'm not going to let go. And, you know, each of us have our struggles. I've been talking about some of those things and just being real. And, you know, here I was just talking about praise. I was just talking with you about the power of praise. A few months ago, I was struggling in the area of gratitude because of some different things that were going in my life. I was still positive on the outside. Everybody thinks Melody's positive and whatever. But inside, I was struggling. This was festering the spirit of ingratitude and kind of resentment for God. Like, God, why are you allowing this? God, do you see what's, you know, and I was, I was just frustrated and it was kind of getting to me and this went on for a couple weeks and I began to recognize this is not good. It's actually starting to affect me more and more. So I began praying, Lord, I know that this is not the spirit that you want me to have. I know that you need to change me. I know that you must change me, but I, I know I must change, but I cannot change myself. And so I started praying, Lord, change my heart. And it was, it was actually my birthday. 
And I spent a couple hours that morning just just praying. And I, and I, and I want to say regarding time with God. You know, you've heard Jim say sometimes God wakes him up at midnight or 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever. I, I don't want to overwhelm you. I want you to challenge God to go deeper with wherever you are in your walk with him. If you usually get up at 8 o'clock in the morning, say, God, I'm willing to get up earlier. You know, if you usually get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, say, God, I'm willing to go deeper with you. Get me up earlier, okay? So it's a step-by-step process. You don't go to praying five hours a day or three hours a day or having two hours of devotions all at the beginning. But as you grow in your walk with him and your love for him, you're going to continually be like, Lord, give me more. And so it's very hard for me, and I know it's hard for Jim, too, to get by on a little bit of time. I, I, I feel like I need you know, an hour or two, really, to feel like I've been spiritually fed, that I've had the prayer time and all the things that I need with God. So this one morning, I had spent a couple hours praying and just, Lord, I will not let you go. I'm pleading that you would give me a heart of gratitude. I'm struggling in my thought life. I'm struggling in my attitudes. And I was crying and I was praying the promises And I felt like he heard and answered my prayer. Of course, we know when we pray these things that he hears. We know we're praying according to his will. He says, you know, we're praying for victory over sin. You're praying for deliverance. You're praying for these things. God's going to answer. You don't have to wonder if he's going to answer. Well, Lord, if if you would give me the victory, I'd like it if it would be according to your will. You know it's according to his will, okay? When you're praying for victory over sin, when you're praying to have a closer walk with him, when you're praying for the gospel work to go forward, you know it's according to his will. So pray and don't let go until he answers. So I'm wrestling and I'm struggling and crying, claiming the promises. I felt like he heard and he gave me, you know, victory in my mind. And so then I went to open some gifts that some people give me. One was from a neighbor. She's not even really... Um, a believer, um, I guess as a semblance she is, but she had given me this little gift and I opened it up. Now, what had I been praying for this day? A heart of gratitude, okay? So this is what I open up. What is that? I actually brought it with me. It's a, it's a carved stone and on both sides of it, it says gratitude. Is that not amazing? Here, I have been praying to God to give me a heart of gratitude. It's my birthday, by the way. Happy birthday. No, not today. <laughs> when this happened, it was my birthday. Here, it's my birthday, and I'm praying for a heart of gratitude, and he gives me a heart of gratitude. God is so personal and beautiful. So I want to challenge you. Pray the promises and don't let go. How do we agonize most effectively? We agonize, we agonize out of our great need. We agonize because we have a great God. We agonize with great faith, not in ourselves, but upon his promises. And we agonize with tenacity that says, I will not let you go. We must cultivate faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I'm going to go just a couple more minutes here and we're going to wrap it up with praying the promises. This is one of the most foundational things that I think has, has changed my life. And yeah, yeah, I see that. And I'll let you hold these. Well, I have some more prayer and promise cards in there if you can look and see. Um, my walk with God is praying the promises. In other words, I have my prayer request. I have my prayer request on a little key ring. And I have my prayer request on one side of the paper. 
and on the other side I have a Bible promise. And I pray, dear Lord, such and such, would you do such and such? And then I claim the promise. He says he will do such and such. Let me give you an illustration here. Um, here is a section on growing uh, in our spiritual walk with God. Dear God, I praise you that you can give me a new heart, a heart that loves you and loves the things of heaven and turns away from the allurements of the world. I cannot change my heart, but you promised to do this work. And what am I claiming? Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart will I give you. Uh, we've already been talking about that, right? Um, here's another one. I praise you that you promised to heal me of my wounds. Put the spotlight of your word upon my heart. Show me the specific ways I've dishonored you, the people I've wounded. Heal me and lead me in the way everlasting. And we're told in Jeremiah 30, 17, I will heal thee of thy wounds, says the Lord. And I have promise after promise. I, I've actually put together prayer and promise cards that you can actually download and use yourself. So the things that I put together, um, you can download off the internet. I'll tell you in a minute how to do that. But prayers how to overcome spiritual breaches in your life. Prayers and promises how to grow in your relationship with God. Um, how to grow in ministry, how to plead more for the Holy Spirit, for spiritual and physical healing, for your marriage, uh, praying for your children. This has transformed my life in the area of prayer. <laughs> Probably this and praise more than anything else. And the exciting thing was, as God began answering the prayers that I was praying, I would take those little key rings off, those little cards on the key ring off, and when the prayer was answered, I'd put it in a jar, and you know how encouraging it was to my faith to see the jar begin to fill up. And these are answered prayers that God began to give me as I recorded them. A testimony um, to what he has done and he continues to do. And it's just been beautiful. Why do we pray based on God's word? His word settled in heaven. You can give him your words and he hears, but he can't argue with his words, right? His word is settled in heaven. His word does not return unto him void. His word tells us his will. He's given us his word. He does not lie. God's word does not change. He stands back of every promise he's made. With your Bible in your hand, say, I've done as you've said. I, I present your promise to ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. I love this quote from Christ Optic Lessons. The honor of his throne is staked. For the fulfillment of his word unto us, God does not change. Grasp his promises as leaves from the tree of life. Folks, if we would pray the word of God, our lives would change. Our prayer lives would change. Our devotional lives would change. Here's where you can find those prayer and promise cards. You can download them. You go to revivalandreformation.org and you look under top recommended resources or you can search um, by name under my name as well. And there's over 100 cards in the set. You can print them up and download, download them. So I just want to encourage you to make your own prayers and promise list, okay? And I'm going to talk about key number seven tomorrow. I have some more stories to share, but I'm not going to do that today because we are out of time. But let me end with this quote. If we are determined not to be separated from the source of our strength, Jesus will be just as determined to be at our right hand to help us. So Jesus wants to take us deeper. He's waiting, and he will. And here's the first seven keys. I'll talk about key number seven tomorrow, uh, as well as the other keys. Get your priorities straight. Linger in his love. Stay humble at the foot of the cross. Remove spiritual breaches. Make gratitude your attitude. And learn to agonize and pray the promises. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.
Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for your goodness. We just thank you that you um, just take delight and pleasure in each one of us, and you long to have that close relationship. And you are drawing us. You say with loving kindness you've drawn us. Oh, Father, help us to seek for more. Help us to dare to ask for more. Show us how to pray. Show us how to love you, how to seek you with all of our hearts. Oh, Father, we need, need you to do something new within us. Thank you that you promise you will. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.